Hello and welcome back into a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of MileHighSports.com, the home of all things Colorado sports. Does not matter if it's collegiate, does not matter if it's pro, they have everything that happens in terms of sports in Colorado on MileHighSports.com. So make sure you find your way over there, click on that Nuggets icon in the top right corner, and you'll see everything that I produce from MileHighSports.com. Um, we are really into the doldrums of the offseason right now. It's getting to the point where it's hard to kind of create content, so I asked for a bunch of questions once again from a bunch of listeners, and this time, instead of trying to be extremely Nugget-specific, we got weird, and it was a lot more enjoyable for me. I'm very much so looking forward to diving into all kinds of chaotic questions and talking way too extensively about the new Rhapsody album, Eve, and all of my favorite lines from Rhapsody and over the, over, you know, the past few years. That alone is going to make this podcast so much more enjoyable for me, so I'm very much so looking forward to that. Um, we're also going to talk about the best kind of nuggets. We're going to talk about free agents in 2020-2021. We're going to talk about if the Lakers were playing the Nuggets in a Game 7, who would be on the floor to close a game, despite how weirdly specific that is. We're going to talk about Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant, and if they can play together. Talk about different Serbian players that the Nuggets could potentially find a way to put onto their roster. We're going to talk about my own personal favorite Nuggets of all time, who I think is funniest on the team, and also who is going to be a better player between Devin, please don't double me, Booker, and Zion Williamson. So, going to be a weird episode, and I cannot wait to dive into it. I guarantee I'll talk too much about Rhapsody and not enough about basketball, but you know what? It's August 23rd. This is what happens. This is kind of the part of the process. So it's going to be a fun show, though. Before we go any further, I got to give some love to the Regulators Production Group. They are the ones who made the beats for the intro and outro of this podcast. Without their audio production, this podcast would sound much more mediocre than it does. For any audio production needs that you could ever need, make sure you find your way over to Instagram and look up Rod Simba. That's R-O-D-S-Y-M-B-A or Regulators Regime. That is the Regulators Production Group. They are great at what they do and they are worthy of your time make sure to get over there and reach out to them for anything you need whether it's beats whether it's just help with your podcast like i got so make sure to reach out to them and also make sure to go find a terrapin care station near you in the denver metro area for any cannabis goods they are the benefactor of the denver nuggets daily podcast so before we go any further here is a quick read for terrapin care station Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. I don't have any rhyme or reason for why I picked the order. I literally just put them in order. 
um actually the order is is that i went to instagram first to pull questions off of instagram before going to twitter that's literally the only way that i went about this also after doing the lineups podcast i realized i had forgotten the questions that fans had sent in so i am actually going to be including those lineup questions with a couple ones that were sprinkled in that weren't even lineup questions that just came from the five different lineups podcasts that i did and i am adding them to this mailbag to make sure that i get to them because i did i did feel quite bad i was like i don't know how i forgot that i guess i was just ranting and raving a little bit too much about those different lineups and i completely missed the point of you know keeping the fans interacted in my favorite part of the show but despite that let's just jump in and joey rab on instagram which by the way before i go any further one more quick little side note i do open up my instagram to be able to take questions in as well i know i've gotten comments in the actual podcast feed for itunes about how to send in questions beyond twitter i take them in on instagram as well um i guess what i should do as well is eventually put an email in to where people can send in questions via email i'm gonna try and get that set up over time uh, maybe get one of those call in lines like some people have as well so i'll have to kind of play with a couple different ideas but if you want to you can also send it to my instagram my instagram is tj underscore mcbride mba my twitter is tj mcbride mba so either one of those are the best ways to get questions to me and i try and answer as many of them as i can but on instagram joey rabe asked who is the funniest player on the team other than nikola Jokic?" i would actually make the argument that nikola Jokic is not the funniest player on the team he's just the most goofy he's the kind of guy who just doesn't have a care in the world it seems like so everything he does is just slightly funnier than you thought it was going to be but in terms of like the actual comedians on the team in terms of guys who are constantly causing just a little bit of chaos in the locker room and keeping guys light i think tory craig is number one on this list people don't realize how funny tory is how down to earth he is and how he can really relate with anybody in any given moment this is a guy who you gotta remember, Tory Craig went from the very, very, very small town in South Carolina where he played at a 1A high school and played for a very, very small college at University of South Carolina Upstate before playing in Australia. So Tory Craig was able to go from rural South Carolina to Australia and he adapted so well, he thought about not taking the Nuggets invite to Summer League because he had built himself such a career and such a life in Australia. This is a guy who was just so adaptable and so easy to talk to people that he's just hysterical I mean there are there are very few points in which Tory Craig is not making people laugh and he is in my opinion the funniest player on the team but there are a couple others I think Monte Morris is high on this list Monte for all of his steadiness and for all of his um just how methodical he is on the court is actually hysterical off of it and same with Will Barton everybody knows Will Barton shines more than anybody on this team in terms of his style in terms of how he carries himself in terms of his music all kinds of things but Will Barton's hysterical too and then the last one I would include is Juancho Hernan Gomez. Juancho is hysterical, man. Juancho and Nikola Jokic are like really close friends for a reason. Juancho has always been one of the funniest people in that gym. You can talk to other players and they say the same thing. So Juancho needs to be included. Um, HeartlessKilla04 on Instagram asked, who is your favorite Nuggets player of all time? So to preface this, I did not grow up in Denver. I did not grow up a Nuggets fan. So for me, my Nuggets, I guess you can I guess my, my love for particular Nuggets players just came from enjoying the league as a whole and then certain players that I always had an affinity for. So growing up, I mean, I grew up a Lakers fan because I, I grew up in California. So Allen Iverson was probably my number one favorite Nuggets player when he was in Denver just because he's Allen Iverson. I mean, there's just something so mystical and so strange and 
it, it's almost impossible to quantify just the absolute aura of Allen Iverson and being able to interview him when the Nuggets brought him back for their decades nights. I mean, the dude came in an hour late than he should have, missed the fan interaction, walked in straight from outside, straight into the media lounge to do his interview with five of his of his people around him, whether it was just bodyguards or friends, you really don't know because they're all just kind of standing there quiet looking off into the distance while Allen Iverson in an entire sweatsuit getup is sitting there answering questions and walking around and is absolutely the most enigmatic person in the room and the most famous person in the room. It doesn't matter if it's players. It doesn't matter if it's fans. It doesn't matter if it's media. When Allen Iverson walks into a building, everybody takes notice and he is just such a unique person in that way and the fact that he can take that level of just flash and shine to the court and to actually improve upon it and build it was just insane to me. I loved Allen Iverson. Everything about the dude was just so much it was just constant and utter chaos in the most beautifully artistic way that I can imagine on a basketball court. And I absolutely loved Allen Iverson. Uh, following that would be Chauncey. I love Chauncey Billups. Just the never say die, big shot guy. He was just never willing to be, to lose games. And it was just... I loved watching Chauncey play. Same reason for Kenyon Martin. Hard-nosed dude who really got in everybody's face. The, you know, he really was the, the heart and soul of what they dubbed as the Thuggets team. He was just... Every little bit of defensive toughness that they needed on that team. And then, of course, you have to include Nikola Jokic because I've been able to cover this team and see just how incredible he is up close and personal. And to see a guy as talented as Nikola Jokic is and a guy who consistently says, I don't want billboards. I don't want to see my billboard. Let Thrill be the famous one. That is just such an interesting juxtaposition of a player and a star at the same time. And that is just something that's enjoyable to me. I like seeing players who just do their own thing. That's the same reason I liked Allen Iverson, same reason I like Kenyon Martin, and honestly, strangely, the same reason I like Nikola Jokic. Jokic would rather just fly his drone, play Call of Duty, and play basketball, and not worry about anything else. Oh, and hang out with his horses. And the fact that that is just what he does is just so cool to me, and I love the ideas behind that. Um, so yeah, that would probably be my, my list. Allen Iverson, Chauncey, Kenyon Martin, and Nikola Jokic. Um, who will be a better player next season? This comes from Peter Martin on Twitter. Who will be a better player next season between Devin, please don't double me, Booker and Zion Williamson? I love this fucking question. I just love the shit and the shade that has been thrown Devin Booker's way. If people don't know, I have always been a guy who has not liked Devin Booker's game. I just don't like players who have the talent to score 70 in a game and have yet to figure out how to win anything. And I know they're going to have a much more NBA-ready roster this season than they have had at any other season that Devin Booker has been in the league. I understand that Devin Booker has been given the worst hand in terms of team, in terms of fit, in terms of stability. But still, I mean, the dude is just a gunner who has not been able to translate any of it to winning yet. And then you get the video, video of him playing pickup for, let's be honest here, Devin Booker is the only legitimate scoring threat on that Suns team for the better part of, a, of the past five years nowadays. And he's complaining about double teams? This got so bad that this morning, Jamal Murray went on his Instagram, found a picture of him getting through three Portland Trailblazers during the playoffs, put it up and said, double teams? Man, we're not even worrying about triple teams over here. So the... 
I just I needed to this vent about Devin Booker and everything that frustrates me about him as a person and a player. I just don't get it. I don't understand the way he plays and how it'll contribute to winning. He has all of the talent. And when I say all of the talent, I mean the dude could average 33 points a game in this league at some point in his career. He is a freakishly talented scorer. A guy that is arguably completely and utterly unguardable when he wants to be. And the fact that you just see him in a pickup game of all sorts with Tony Snell coming over to double him, complaining about, please don't double me, don't don't double me, bro, this is open run. Listen, man, if you're trying to get better, get better. Don't sit there and complain because you won't know what defenses are going to get are going to throw at you, so you might as well practice of that same sort. If you're trying to get individual work and you work out with the team, I don't fully understand how you can get so frustrated with the double team portion of this. With that being said, though, I do think Zion's going to surprise a lot of play, uh, a lot of people this year, even beyond the ridiculous amount of expectations that are heaped on him now. He's just finally going to be able to play a style that fits his skill set. I mean, he was a post-up offensive rebounder screen setter when he was playing for Duke, which was miserable for his skill set. That is like the antithesis of what makes him so good. So to get him in transition, to put the ball in his hands and create a little bit, to actually be a guy that you can use as a lob threat and a pick and roll big, those are the things that are going to make him look even better than he did in college so I'm looking forward to that but still Devin Booker is going to be better than Zion next year despite all the weak shit that Devin Booker has been doing I don't know if you guys can tell but I'm already very excited I'm 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 this morning all right I woke up and it was like Christmas because Rhapsody had dropped a new album and it was titled Eve and my god Every damn track is fire. She has every kind of flow imaginable. The lyricism is out of this world. Her connection between powerful black women and herself and the empowerment of all of them as the basis of the album is just an incredible feat. And I was just blown away by every step of the production. Whether it was Crisis, whether it was Ninth Wonder, whether it was the Soul Council, they did such great production and mixing and mastering for this album to match what is the incredible nature of Rhapsody as just an artist and whatever she is doing that it... It's one of those things where I love hip-hop so much that I feel it. It's just, This is something that I care about deeply. If it wasn't sports that I was involved in or basketball, I would be involved in hip-hop in some way. So to be able to like to talk about this because I got a question from a listener because they know how much I love hip-hop was awesome. So Tapia Trap House on Twitter asked, In honor of the release of Eve, what are your favorite Rhapsody bars? I have like seven and I don't know how many I'm going to get through, um, but a bunch of them are from, are, are from Layla's Wisdom, which was the last album she put out. Uh, before you go any further, though, go go listen to Eve. Just stop this podcast. It is not worth it to continue listening to me. Go listen to Rhapsody. The girl is so freakishly talented and needs to be involved in the greatest artist of our generation hip-hop conversation. I'm not saying she is, but she needs to be in the conversation. It's like having a top five and MVP. She belongs in that conversation. But first off, shouts to Tapia Trap House for sending this question through because it made my day. So before I get into the uh, her lines that came out of her different actual albums, I want to talk about a cipher she did with BET back in 2017. She started it out by saying, I'm better than y'all. I've been better than y'all. I'm MJ, Kobe, AD, and Braun in one while y'all talking LeVar Ball. Like I, This girl came out and started her cipher like that. This is not, um, and this was a, an all-female artist cipher, so 
she came in with the idea of I'm going to destroy this all-female cipher because it's bullshit that it's all-female cipher. So she proceeded to go on by saying, Service in my ego and empowering my sister, so I'm screaming black girls rock. Shouts to Cardi B, M.A., Young Minaj, um, Iggy Breezy, respect to all y'all. Take my olive branch, but don't take my kindness for weakness, though. Better better to be my friend than my enemy, they all know. Screaming, go jam rock, fuck best female, I'm coming for your top spot. That's literally how she came into this cypher, and she finished the last, like, 90 seconds of it out of the three minutes by herself. Uh, she literally said, I've been humble too long and ain't a rapper big enough that I that can't get stoned. I got the rock with me. Like, she came out looking for smoke in this cypher, and then she backed it up with Layla's wisdom, and then now you look at Eve, and it's just been incredible. But I want to talk about Layla's wisdom a little bit more. Because one of the first lines on the actual self-titled track, Layla's Wisdom, was Growing up, I shopped at Kmart and Ross, celebrated every win, and learned, f- and learned to learn from all of my losses. I never signed paperwork without reading the clauses. My parents worked way too hard to get no credit for it. I'm a trip like Grayson Allen. Y'all never made me valid. The- this girl has all of the bars, and her bars don't fit a particular rhyme or reason or a certain type of a rhythm that, that needs to fit. She does whatever she's doing. That's why she says again in power on Layla's wisdom I'm feeling like a champ now I went the rap route homie get out the trap house I want to I want the power to be able to rap out what I rap about and she has literally lived that life then you go on to chrome boys on the block told boys on the spot you got a shot young and you ain't gotta get shot dangerous to measure the man by the size of his cock I was told to measure a king by the size of his flock who was your leader and where y'all going my army big enough to carry a bow and right off to the locks like this girl i'm telling you man like kendrick has said that this girl belongs at the very very top like she is incredible you need to go listen to rhapsody um i only got one more that i have in here i could put so many different lines from rhapsody into this conversation but i'll leave it with this last one Oh my god, nobody knows the true religion. Why nobody know to show respect and mind your business. I know prison business, but uh, but nobody know how many innocent in it. Nobody know that cures cancer has been made by the chemist. Nobody knows the cost of a dollar worth less to them in Kendrick. Nobody smart enough would ever say racism has ended. That's off nobody. The girl has, she's in tune, she's conscious, and I love it because she went on the, on the breakfast club and she was like, I hate the idea of conscious hip-hop. Everyone has a story to tell and she wanted to tell hers and that is exactly what she has done as an artist and I love the fact that she went out and she built an album in this climate in this day and age about the empowerment of other black women not just herself and it is just top to bottom I'm, I'm a white straight male so it's not something that I feel like I should have a big opinion on but because I, I just, you know, I don't, I don't get to, I don't live this life. I don't know this life as someone who is actually a part of it would. But the fact that she has the courage and that she believes in her own message and her own moral code so much that she built an entire album based on it is just incredible to me. And there are so many words that I can say that make Rhapsody an incredible individual. But I'm going to leave it there. I'm sure I'll talk about Rhapsody more in the future. But that, that, the, First of all, Eve was incredible. Secondly, go listen to everything she's ever done. And third, power to her, man. Like that, they, We need more people like Rhapsody in this world. Okay, I'm going to get off the soapbox and stop being so overwhelming with my hip-hop takes. And we're going to move back into the rest of these questions that came through. I believe I got three. I got five more. 
Sorry, I can't count. Um, Bryce Patrick on Twitter asks, what is the best kind of nugget? And there's only one answer here, man. If you have any other answers other than golden nugget, like an actual nugget of gold, then you are not living life correctly. I do not understand how you can like, I like chicken nuggets more. Well, you can buy all the chicken nuggets you damn well please with enough gold nuggets. Hell, if you have enough gold nuggets, you can buy the nuggets. So I don't understand that. I don't know why this is a question. I don't really know what other answers could be involved. But if you ain't getting gold, I don't really know what you're doing. So I'm going to leave that there. Gold is the best kind of nugget so you can buy all the other kinds of nuggets. Um, Whatever man on Twitter asked is if Denver were to get to the Western Conference Finals, do you think they will draw free agents in 2020 and 2021? And which ones would you consider targeting? Well, there's a lot to unpack here. First of all, the nuggets need to get to the Western Conference Finals. Secondly, other players, free agents, need to recognize Denver as a place they want to be. And third, Denver needs to find the money to do so. So there's a lot of things here. So let's just live in hypothetical land. Let's just talk about the best fits. The players who could potentially take the Nuggets to an entirely different level if they came over. So... First of all, I do think the Nuggets will have a better ability to sign for the free agents that they want if they go to the Western Conference Finals this year because they would still be ridiculously young. They would be a team that went deep into the playoffs in back-to-back years. They would have a bona fide top 10 player, so it just makes sense for other high-level players to want to go there. But the thing is, is that the 2020 free agent class is weak. The 2020 free agent class, the players that the Nuggets might actually want, you're talking Gordon Hayward, Otto Porter Jr., Bogdan Bogdanovich, Jalen Brown. That's pretty much it. There's not the, the, the 2020 free agent class is as weak as it gets, man. There just isn't a whole lot of talent to be involved there, which is why I don't think the Nuggets are going to be big players in 2020. 2021 gets interesting. Again, lots to unpack here. Different player options and team options to be picked up. Possible extensions to get done. Some of these players have bird rights with their team. Some don't. All of that, I'm just completely throwing out the window. I'm just talking about players who fit. Players who could elevate this Nuggets team to as high as they want to be. And the amount of star level players that exist in that free agent class. So 2021 has Paul George, Bradley Beal, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Blake Griffin, Giannis, Drew Holiday. So I think if the Nuggets are really going to try and draw free agents, you're talking two more years of deep playoff runs. You're talking two more years of internal development with the young core that they have grown. Two more years of finding a way to clear enough money to sign a max player if they are able to and then two more years of proving themselves as a great place just to play basketball and a great culture to be able to be a part of so I don't think 2020 is is it's even worth trying to dive into that free agent market I think you want to wait and really prove yourself for the next two years to these free agents so that you can get one of those high level legitimate star quality players in 2021 CJ Morgan on Twitter asked if the Nuggets are battling in a game seven against the Lakers with five minutes left in the game, who is on the floor for Denver? This is weirdly specific, but I do get the idea is that the Lakers at their best, the Nuggets at their best, and the highest pressure situation. I think that's kind of the idea. Um, the hard part about this question is it depends on what the hell the Lakers are going to do. I don't think anybody has a good idea of what the Lakers are going to field their starting five as, how it will evolve, who will even be healthy, who they're going to start in the playoffs. All those things are going to be such a you know, revolving door. It's going to be swinging around. No one will have any concrete idea for the first couple of months. So I am just going to assume that what they would do is they would start LeBron James at point guard over Rondo or over Alex Caruso 
there just isn't a lot of great options at point guard for them. And then I think that they would probably not play Anthony Davis at center to close games. Again, this is just wildly speculation. I have absolutely no reason to believe any of this over any other circumstance. This is just how it feels to me that they would do it as of right now on August 23rd before we've seen any of these players get on the court together. So in my opinion, they would probably close with LeBron James, KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, uh, Kyle Kuzma, Anthony Davis, and JaVale McGee. That is just kind of the assumption that I'm making because DeMarcus Cousins is hurt, Rondo is not very good, LeBron James has the ball in his hands, and they desperately need the shooting of... Um, of Contavious Caldwell Pope, and then if Kuzma is able to hit threes, they will also need his shooting. So I'm just assuming this is a random speculation. So if that was the case, I think the Nuggets would then have to close with Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Nikola Jokic, Paul Millsap, and Jeremy Grant at the three. Because then you can have Jokic on JaVale, you can have Millsap or Grant on LeBron or Anthony Davis. You can try and hide Jamal Murray on KCP and hope that that Gary Harris is good enough defensively one-on-one on one to deal with Kyle Kuzma because otherwise I mean do you really want to bench one of Jamal Murray or Gary Harris to try and get a guy like Torrey Craig into there and then you just sacrifice so much offense by doing that I don't think you would um, but if you desperately needed to stop I do think it makes sense to put Torrey Craig in for one of Jamal Murray or Gary Harris. I would say Jamal Murray and let Gary Harris run the offense with Nikola Jokic but again that's just it's such a specific question that it's hard to say right now. Kia Nurse Stan on Twitter asked, can Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant play together? This is a this is a fascinating question because Jeremy Grant coming off the bench, it's Michael Malone has already said he wants Jeremy Grant to play some backup five. The Nuggets also have Mason Plumway to play some backup five. The Nuggets also have Paul Millsap who could who could conceivably play some backup five. The question becomes how many minutes does Mason Plumley play and how much of an effort is there to make sure he gets minutes? Because if there isn't, if they're willing to play with with basically three bigs in Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic, I think we will absolutely see Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant play together. Um, I think what'll happen is the starters will go out there, Jeremy Grant will come in for Paul Millsap, and it'll be Jeremy Grant and Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic will then come off a couple, you know, a couple rotations later, and then you'll see Paul Millsap come back on the floor, and then you'll see Jeremy Grant and Paul Millsap play with the likes of Malik Beasley, Monte Morris, and whatever small forward you can think of. So I do think we're going to see it. I think there's a lot of ways to make that to, that it makes sense to play them together, and I don't think there's a whole lot of drawbacks. They'll be great defensively. They have enough size to bang low with bigger players, and they have enough shooting between the two of them to at least make it function, in my opinion. Uh, last question, Miroslav on Twitter. So he asked, what is a reasonable trade to get some of Nikola's, Nikola Jokic's Serbian buddies on the Nuggets while also making the Nuggets better? This is tough because there's a couple players that are overseas that maybe would be able to be a guy. I. It's really tough for me to find a way to get one of his players on this team for a trade. First of all, there's no trade between Bogdan Bogdanovich and the, and the Sacramento Kings that makes sense for the Nuggets or for the Kings. I mean, it, it, it's just the wrong time, and it doesn't make sense to really be able to build a deal. Addition to that, trading for Boban Marjanovic, I mean, the question becomes why would either team make a trade like that, except for the fact that Nikola Jokic and his buddy get, get to be together again. Um, what I would say is that the Nuggets should not trade 
to get one of his Serbian buddies on the team, the Nuggets should try and clear up cap space for 2021 and try and get Bogdan Bogdanovic from the Kings. That's what they should do. Because if you can do that, he's the perfect fit with them. If Gary Harris's injury issues continue, if all of a sudden Jamal Murray is not taking steps forward and he gets moved on from, if the Nuggets decide to go super small and play him at the three, I don't care. However it works, they fit so well together offensively that I would like to see those two play together. If you listen to me when I did the FIBA podcast not too long ago, um, I was I, I can't stop ranting and raving about the fearlessness of Bogdan Bogdanovich, and it's the perfect kind of pairing alongside Nikola Jokic. So I do I would like to see Bogdan Bogdanovich get to Denver. I also think it'd be interesting if Stevan Jovic ma- managed to get his way to the NBA. Um, I think as a third point guard in the league, he could be a great fit with Denver. But you know, we'll, uh, who knows if he wants that role? But I, I don't see an easy way to get anybody from the Serbian national team onto the Denver Nuggets roster. This has been the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, sticking around throughout the offseason, sending in weird questions, letting me be weird, letting me just rant and rave about hip-hop on a basketball podcast. I love all those things. It means the world to me to be able to interact with fans in this way. It's just so much fun. The fact that I get to do this for a job is already just stupid enough, so I'm just trying to enjoy it as much as I can, and you guys sending in questions and interacting with me makes it that much more enjoyable. So make sure to go follow or subscribe to this podcast on whatever podcast listening platform platform you use, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, I don't know, whatever it is that you may use, Spotify, all those. Please go subscribe, leave me a five-star review, leave me a comment, reach out to me on my Twitter at TJMcBroadMBA for any feedback. My uh, my email is in my bio if you want to email me, whatever works. But I am around, but this has been the Denver Nugget Daily Podcast, and thank you guys very much for listening.